0: Thank you so much for worshiping with us. That was awesome. We uh, we think it's really appropriate that you would be joining me here in our home for this morning because of the text we're going to discuss. Um, you're worshiping at home, and uh, so welcome to our home as we're going to walk into the Word together. Uh, and this is really fitting. It's fitting that we would be at a table with a feast here, uh, and we're going to look at why that fits together so well as we dive into the text this morning. So please grab your Bible, uh, whatever you're following along the text with, and we're going to say our creed together. Uh, Again, I know you might be alone, but say this out loud. Let's say this uh, together as a community, even though we are worshiping at home, right? Let's say this. The Bible is the Word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. All right, now for the reading of our text today, we got something real special for you. Maybe you saw this video that went viral last week, uh, but we think it's pretty awesome for Mother's Day that this is going to be the decoration of our text over us today.
1: As I stepped, I saw no one. me a down a green path. me a path like this for namesake. Yea, I will walk to the valley, shall dance? I no evil. Bow our with me, and that they come our table for me. I've it my Miami. my head with oil. My cup one it open. Uh, glory, goodness, and mercy, and bow me all days in new life, well, and how the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Man, that was awesome. Talk about cuteness overload right there. Wow. Uh, as we focus in on verse 5, we're at the next to the last verse in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, we 'll finish up verse six next week, uh, but for this week, we see a transition here in verse five. Uh, you prepare a table before me the 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 transition is like a whole new picture from almost from God as shepherd to God as host. Uh, as a matter of fact, some scholars think there 's two separate pictures in psalm twenty three that the first four verses are God is revealing himself as a shepherd, and then the end is God as a host. And then other scholars say, no, it's the same picture throughout because a good shepherd uh, wants to get home with his sheep. Uh, and, and we will see next week that, that God wants us at home with him forever. And we see this week that he's inviting us to the table. And, and, and this idea of a table, when, when we say table, we think of right a, a, this, a thing with four legs, right, where the food's up off the table. But really the, the picture being painted in Hebrew is, is that of a spread right? That, that technically a meal would be spread out uh, kind of on some pillows and then you would recline at pillows next to it. I ain't laying down in front of this food in front of y'all, but like that's more the picture of, of this spread that's that's laid out. And and really even as a shepherd taking sheep to a spread, uh, kind of like think of a picnic blanket rolled out here, uh, what we find, uh, author Philip Keller, he's kind of wrote the the renowned book on the imagery here of, of the 23rd Psalm with a shepherd and his sheep. And what he says is that a shepherd in the springtime, as the snow was melting, that he would go up and find a plateau. He, he would find this area, uh, what they would call a mesa. And, and in this mesa, they would put a gate and, and they would make sure that sheep could be protected. Because they would eventually take the sheep there and they would spend the whole next season of their little sheep lives on this mesa. Right? And so for all those who took Spanish 1, uh, mesa is table, right? That, that there's a, a flat area that can last a whole season of life for the sheep. That's what a good shepherd does. And what we see is the shepherd goes before, before the sheep and does the preparing. Like How nuts is that, that God prepares for us, right? Maybe on this Mother's Day, uh, you prepared a meal for mom, guys. And for us this year, what that meant is we went to Uber Eats app on our phone and we ordered a meal to come to the house, right? And I talk about flipping the script here from mom preparing the meal uh, to dad prepares the meal. It's the scariest day of the year for the children, let's be honest, right? Is Mother's Day. But no, this is God who prepares the feast. And sheep have to have preparations of the meal in advance because sheep aren't predators, right? Like, you've never seen the National Geographic video of the gazelle going through the African plain, and then then comes the fluffy sheep, right? And it attacks the gazelle with its big teeth. That's, that's not the picture of a sheep, right? If, if something isn't prepared in advance for the sheep, they'll actually go to an area and eat everything that's there and starve to death. And the fact is, that's my story too. And that's your story too, whether you want to admit it or not, We need somebody outside of us to provide for us. And I know we want to think we're independent, but the message of this book and the message of our faith is not, i got this. That's the message of the culture, maybe. The message of the Christian faith is this. Our shepherd's got this. And he provides whatever we need. Every good gift we have comes from the Father. He's the one who's provided for us. And our ability to provide for our families is only through His good grace. We're dependent. We are totally dependent on the provision of the good shepherd. And really what our faith is, is is a declaration of of total dependence on the favor of God. And, And that's the picture being painted here, that He's the one who prepares. And when it says that He prepares the table, literally in the Hebrew, it's the idea of that He prepares a spread. Kind of like our friends at the Brown Bag Club have prepared quite the spread for us today, right? They're on John T. White, part of the Temple family. Shout out to the Brown Bag Club. Man, this looks really good. A matter of fact, I'm really ready to finish this sermon so that I can dive into this and make a scene when the camera is no longer rolling. God prepares a spread. Like, not he prepares just enough food just to get us by. He runs to the drive-thru and gets a Happy Meal and throws it to us in the back seat. It's the idea, check this out, It's the idea that it's a feast fit for a king, prepared by the king. Like that's where you can say amen out loud in your home or hit the thumb or a heart or something, man. This is a feast fit for a king, but it's prepared for us by the king. That's what it is that that God would prepare us a meal. Here's the deal, y'all. Kings don't prepare feasts. Kings sit down at feasts that were prepared for them. But that's the goodness of our God. He flips the script that the one who's worthy to be served prepares a way for us to sit down with him and have a feast and have more than enough. He provides in that way, in that incredible gift to us. And what we see here is, and man, I want you to hear this, not just with your ears. I want you to hear this with your heart today. The life that God wants for you Is always better than the life you want for you. The life God wants for you is always better than the life you want for you. His spread is always better than anything we could imagine. He's not just hoping we get by. He's not the God of ramen noodles here. He's the God who, man, puts out a spread. He prepares a feast for us when He invites us to the table. That's the the goodness and magnitude of our God. As a matter of fact, we've said again and again as we've explored the 23rd Psalm that this is all about Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And before he said, I am the good shepherd, he gave us a glimpse of the heart of the good shepherd in the very first verse, or the very uh, previous verse, rather, in John chapter 10, verse 10. What he says right before telling us he is the good shepherd is he said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, as in the spread, as in the feast, as in we're not just getting by, he's preparing us because he is life itself. It's all about him. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, the incredible thing about the meal he invites us to, right, is it's not actually about the meal. It's about the company that we're keeping. I've had moments before where I was excited about going to a certain restaurant with some friends. And we got there and had such a good time together that I forgot about enjoying the meal. I was just enjoying the company. And that's what it is to really feast on the presence of Jesus because there are seasons of life that aren't quite this much of a banquet. There are seasons of life where it it, it really is a little more like ramen noodles, right? But he still is our feast. He still is our provision. So my oldest son, Garrett, loves, and I mean loves, Pop-Tarts. And I cannot tell you how many times my wife has prepared a delicious meal that he was like, "Mm, I don't like this. And 30 minutes or an hour after this delicious meal, I hear rappers in the kitchen, and I hear the microwave. Sure enough, he's heating up Pop-Tarts, right? Kid loves Pop-Tarts. Now, I want you to think of what's your favorite meal. I mean, like, like your favorite, favorite meal. Not just getting by, but like, what's your favorite thing to go eat out? Now that restaurants are kind of open, maybe you've already been there in the last couple of weeks, right? Like, what is that meal for you? And I'm going to tell you what it is mine. I'm going to give a shout out to another temple food place, Texas Blue. If you're not familiar, Texas Blue is in Keller. It's a steakhouse, and it's not blue, B-L-U-E. It's blue, right? It's B-L-E-U because we say it fancy because that's just how we roll at Texas Blue. And they've got this filet that is the best piece of steak I've ever had in my life. And they've got these twice-baked mashed potatoes. I mean, potatoes ain't never experienced anything like that. They've been sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost before they're served. And then order that with some asparagus, man, and then like um, some Texas blue velvet cake for dessert. <gasps> so imagine sitting there. The perfect prepared filet is on the table. And now imagine that your kid pulls out a pack of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> now nah, I'm good, right? And, and that's the deal. In a world full of generic Pop-Tarts, what Jesus is inviting us to is a flaming on feast. He's inviting us to the real deal, not to skimp by, not to just hopefully be good enough. He prepares a feast for us. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying, hey, I'm taking care of my sheep. I'm making sure that they have all that they need in the presence of my enemies. And I got to be honest with y'all, I don't like the next part of this verse in the presence of my enemies. So I've never been asked by God to write any portion of the Bible and I never will. But if I could have written this part, I would have written this verse in the previous verse a little differently. Like the 23rd Psalm would have read, even though I walk really far away from and way around the valley of the shadow of death so that I can't even see it from here, I'll fear no evil because it's way far away. And you're with me and you're riding your staff, they comfort me. Bonus, right? And then I would have written this verse to say, you prepare a table before me in the absence of my enemies, <laughs> right? Like... I want my enemies to be gone. If we're talking about the goodness of the shepherd, man, go take my enemy out. And what we know is there is a very real enemy. We said earlier that sheep are not predators, but they are prey. Sheep have a lot of enemies. It's it's just the real deal. They need somebody to protect them from a very real enemy. And that's our story too. In John chapter 10, verse 10, before Jesus talked about this abundant, overkill life that he has for his sheep, he tells us about the other side of that truth. That there's a very real thief. There is a very real enemy who seeks to to kill and steal and destroy. That's why we need Jesus, is is there really is an enemy. And and I don't know about you, I, I long for the day that the enemy finally is destroyed, when he finally is cast away. And the book of Revelation actually tells us that on that day, when our enemy finally is defeated, we'll come to a table. We'll come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He will prepare another feast for us. And it'll be unlike anything we've ever dared to imagine. There really is coming a day where God will annihilate all of our enemies. But in the meantime, what he's doing is he's inviting us to a table to remind us that he is greater than all of our enemies. He is more powerful and he is better than anything we'll face, than anything that is against us, than anything that seeks to defeat us. He's greater. We sit at this table in the presence of very real enemies and of the presence of a very real enemy. The Apostle Peter said that that the, the devil seeks whom he may devour, that he's prowling around, right? He's walking around. And he's not looking for the feast to devour. He's looking for sheep to devour, followers of the shepherd. And what Jesus is inviting us to the table is he's reminding us again and again to keep our eyes on him. Because he's greater than any enemy that we will ever face. He's reminding us again and again that the life of abundance is found in himself. Is found in his presence. I watched this extraordinary sermon a couple weeks ago from Louis Giglio where he talks about this idea of, of feasting in the presence of Jesus and in doing so in the presence of our enemies. And what he said is, because the enemy is really good at what he does because he's so deceptive, he constantly tries to sneak into a seat at our table. He's constantly trying to interrupt the table for two and make it a table for three. He's trying hard for our dinner conversation to be overridden with his lies over us. And so the beauty of being invited in the presence of Jesus is that we're supposed to be aware of what other voices are speaking at the table, right? And one of the ways that we know that that the enemy has snuck into a seat at our table is if we find ourselves feasting in the presence of Jesus and hearing the script that says, you don't deserve this. You don't really deserve to be here. And listen, maybe maybe the family of origin that you came from, maybe you really have heard that spoken over to you at a table before. But if you're hearing that right now about your relationship with Jesus, that's straight from the enemy, and it's not true. Because the reality is this, for us to have a seat at the table with God Almighty, he had to lay down the life of his son for us, and he did so with joy. Which means you deserve to be seated at that table on the authority of the cross itself. He welcomes you. He welcomes you into his presence. And he declares you worth it. Worthy of the sacrifice of his son. That's how much he loves you. That's how open this invitation is. If you're hearing that voice, the challenge this morning is to confront it with the truth of God's love for you. To take that thought captive. And to tell the enemy you don't belong at this table. If if seated at the table, you, you can know that, that you've allowed the enemy to have a voice at the table if you ever believe that there's anything better than this. If we for any moment begin to believe that there's something better than Jesus, that's the voice of the enemy. Because the truth is we have found and experienced in the presence of God what nothing else in this world can satisfy. And yet the enemy whispers to the the hints of our flesh that don't yet walk in faith, that aren't quite renewed in that. And we wonder, maybe I need something else to satisfy me. Maybe I really do deserve something more that will satisfy me apart from Jesus. And listen, that's the voice of an enemy that doesn't deserve a role in your dinner conversation. He doesn't deserve a voice at the table. If seated at the table today, you hear the voice that tells you, you're not going to make it through this you're not going to get to the other side of this. It's just too hard. I don't believe that's ever the voice of the good shepherd. That's us listening to the voice of the enemy. Because what he says is you're going to get through even the valley of the shadow of death. On on the authority of the resurrection power of God, you are going to make Man, I encourage you to preach against those lies and to to renew your mind with truth that the Good Shepherd has done too much work to prepare this meal for you to allow you to not make it. He's gone to to too great of lengths for you to not make it. And so I'm I'm going to use the words that, that Louis Giglio said because I think it's really good. He said this, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. You can say to the enemy, yeah, you can prowl around all you want, but you will not sit here. Jesus is too good for me to allow you to interrupt our table for two. He is too good to allow you to destroy this meal. No, Jesus is enough. Now I want us to look at the rest of this verse. Oh, this is so beautiful, this picture and again, notice that the language of this verse, it changed from verse 4. Before that, we've been talking about he. Now we're saying my, right? That, that you prepare a table. My shepherd, I'm talking directly to you. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. That picture of God's favor. Oh, friend, and God's blessing washing over you today. And your cup overflows. Because God's favor rests on you, your cup overflows. Again, that picture of the feast that's over the top. In a world full of people questioning whether your cup is half empty or half full, the sheep who follow after the good shepherd say, my cup overflows. (laughs) It's not just full, it overflows. In in the, the very first verse of this, of the 23rd Psalm, I ask the question, what if? As we talked about, I shall not want. I said, What if? What if Jesus really is enough? This morning, I want to change that question a little bit to you. And I want to speak to your heart and say, What if Jesus is more than enough? <laughs> he doesn't just fill our cup, it overflows. The joy of His presence is so much better than anything else this life has to offer. You ever been to a restaurant where it seems like every time you take a drink, you've got such a good server that they refill your cup for you? The king of kings is refilling your cup to where you've got more than enough. It overflows. Now, for those of us who are a little type A, it doesn't make a mess on the table. Don't worry. That would ruin the whole meal. (laughs) But our cup overflows with his favor, with his anointing. You don't just have enough of him. You've got more than enough. You don't just have enough to make it. You've got more than enough on the authority of Christ himself. Your cup overflows today, friend. Now, the enemy wants to tell you, half empty, we wish. It's way worse than that. What the good shepherd's saying to you is, my sheep don't skimp by. It's more than enough. And so for us, this, this favor of God, this provision of God, the satisfaction of his presence, well, for some of us, it's actually more than a table for two. For some of us in our season of life, it's, it's a table for three because God's brought a spouse into our life and we're actually pursuing him together. We're trying to have our hearts satisfied by him together as a couple. And then for some of us, it's a bigger table than that. It's a family tabletop. As a matter of fact, for some of us, we're hoping that there is a tarp underneath the table because Our kids are going to make a mess at this table. For some of us, we're actually seated at this table not with Jesus, but together with the family that he's called us to shepherd towards him. And so I want to say to the parents today, we are seated at the table that God the Father, the good shepherd, has prepared for us. Our mission and our calling as Christian parents isn't to produce some magical, perfect children who... Don't have any struggles or questions or doubts our mission is just to tell them hey we believe that only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart we believe he's better than anything else we believe the feast that he offers is better than anything the world offers and what I want to say very specifically on this Mother's Day to some of the moms out there is that pressure to be the perfect one at the table I don't think that's from God here's the deal at the table we've been invited to there's already somebody perfect. He's already done it. He's the one who prepared the table. He's the one who invites us to himself, even in the presence of our enemies. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time in your word this morning. Thank you for the favor that you anoint us with that's greater than anything we could fathom. God, you are not just enough. You are more than enough, our cup overflows. And God, I pray that through our homes and through our families and through this ministry, that you would raise up a generation who has experienced that Jesus will satisfy the longings of their hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us. Let's continue to worship him together and sing. We love you guys.